With Adam trapped in the occlusion zone, Ben and Grant are forced to continue High Republic coverage without their dear friend. This week, we review the first novel of Phase 3, The Eye of Darkness, by the brilliant George Mann. Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! Let's go. Once again, <laughs> once again, once again, we've got with the greeny green nogs and all the rest. Yeah. Um, if you're watching this on the YouTubes, uh, obviously, poor Adam. <laughs> out for Adam right now. Yeah, I know, right? You like caught in another asteroid field. Um, this guy just can't right. catch a break. So, uh, not with us this week, but um, we're going to cover the High Republic because uh, that's what we do. We're going to talk about it and uh, do our things and soldier on. This is yeah. what Elzar Mann would do. This is what Abel Chris would do. <laughs> yeah, he, I worry about his contemplations about that. But yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll <laughs> talk would. about but, that. Uh, yeah. When I say we're here, we're going 200 years into the his, into the past. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to the High Republic. Yeah. This week covering Eye of Darkness by the magnificent George Mann. Um, just really, truly epic book. Ben, what what did you think about this book? Oh, it it was like a drink of cool water in the Tatooine like desert. It was uh, it was delightful. I mean, you know, so last week I do want to apologize uh, to our Spotify listeners. There was a podcast last week. It just didn't come out on Spotify. It came out on all the other platforms, but not Spotify. And I don't know why. And we'll figure it out. Bob Iger was mentioned a few too many times. And uh, (laughs) strings were pulled. Jenny, that's what my wife thought too. Is like, did, she's like, did you mention COVID? It's like we're not COVID deniers. We aren't like saying anything. Like, I don't know. It might have gotten flagged. Maybe the Iger stuff, you know. But it was we like, love Bob Iger. Were we? I mean, I you brought a golden age of Star Wars. We love yeah. the. We I love just, Bobby. Uh, I let's go. We're just gonna call Bob out what we see and what we read. That's all we're gonna do. We're gonna keep doing what we do. Um. Anyway, so that was that was a little hiccup there that um I wasn't proud of. But um, we'll see how it goes this week. This week, hopefully, it'll all be out. But anyway, so last week, we talked about that. You know, it was a multi-chapter book getting us into the High Republic. We're covering just High Republic in um, this month. You know, it was some great stories there. Buriaga was found and discovered um, yes. by Belzettafar. That was like, that might be one of my favorite Star Wars stories of all time, honestly. And I, we'll the get persistence was, was impressive. And uh, definitely, um, I, I find just kind of awesome in terms of like a Jedi persevering to find their friend. Yeah. And I feel like it was just so beautifully sort of, um, but I love how he got back to his roots. He was just yeah. like, he, he was like, you know, like, and he's, you know, he's invoking Loden great storm, you know, lo- yeah, I wish we had more Loden, like, because he is a real G and 
you know, and he's just like, you know, I just, he just took it one person at a time. He found some people that need help. He helped them. He learned a new trade. Like, I don't know if it's my blue collar roots. Like, it's just like, you know, like I grew up in a hardcore blue collar town and like, that's what you do. You just, when you help out, you can help out, you help out like that sort of thing. And that's all he did. And like, just became a sailor and like ingratiated himself with some people by just being a good human being, not being arrogant, even though he has all these superpowers, you know, essentially. Right. And, and, and the narrative device of Bell thinking about Loden, I think translates to to this book. And it's just sort of, it's sort of that angle is, uh, Bell's, Bell's angle where he's constantly reflecting on his past with his master, his training, things like that to kind of push forward in the plot. I I love that about the character. I think I, I love his story in this book, uh, in particular, just, I feel like his whole angle and exploring the edge of the storm wall and that whole part of the book is just so cool. And as it cuts back to that, I like that story quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I I love how George Mann kept this one tight. So this is our first novel novel of phase three, which is a huge, huge deal. Like we're finally pushing the story that's been kind of put to bed for a while for like over a year, almost two years. Right. You know, that started at the beginning of the high Republic series in phase one. Right. This is a continuation um, well, of phase one because phase two yeah. was uh, a, a backstory sort of prequel. Um, right. hit, yeah, prequel. Just like the Skywalker saga, phase one's in the middle, phase two is the prequels, mm-hmm. and phase three now are the sequels. So, yeah. Um, so this was a huge deal for me, just exciting to see where it's going. And George Mann, I thought, did a fantastic job. He kept it super clean. They, like It turned into like a set, like different sets of POVs. You had, like you said, uh, Belzetafar and Buriaga were like yes. start, like the storm wall. You had Elzar Mann and um, Chancellor Lena So were like yeah. a bud- buddy comedy, not comedy. Nothing was actually funny that, at no, all. No, it's just, yeah. Buddy like. Harrowing that people are lost in the uh, occlusion yeah. zone, which we'll talk about. Super high stakes in this yeah. book, man. Like yeah. it's been a year. There's a time jump of a year to this book where they're just like, right. The you know the Nahil have captured a portion of the galaxy and set up this impregnable wall, and they're just like trolling the galaxy, like trolling the Jedi and the Republic um, right. with their viciousness. Um, you right know. after the fall of Starlight Beacon, the Jedi and the, and the Republic are in disarray, but they're attempting to strike back against the Nile. But the Nile are now protected by the Storm Wall, which is yes. like a disruption field that like wrenches ships out of hyperspace and disrupts communications and like almost nobody can enter what is Nile space. And at the beginning of this book, it's fascinating because you have like Gira Staros trying to represent the Nile and, and, and trying to, you know, create, um, you know, put peace talks in the calendar for everybody. And then, but, but the, but it's like, how can you negotiate with terrorists? Yeah, they they it, executed a Jedi in the most horrible way. One a grand master, yeah. Protre Veter, my guy, yeah. like, poor dude, just got done dirty. Um, right and, in the beginning of this book, too. Like it's the yeah, first right the thing George Mann hits yeah. you with is Protre Veter, just his assassination, uh, assassination, his imprisonment, boy. all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. it's terrifying. Yeah, it's, terrifying. it's great stuff to create the stakes right you away. Know, I mean, that's one thing I think, uh, particularly the higher public cadre of authors have done really well is raise the stakes and make the villains terrifying because now it's just like, you know, it, it just like Markeon Rowe is just spitting on the graves of dead Jedi and in his wake. And like, 
he's winning more battles than he's losing and it's you know and they're now spreading their influence and it's just like it's terrifying there's no yeah you know say what you will about the tenets of national socialism at least it's an ethos to quote walter sobchak um you know these are nihilists man they believe in nothing they're just yeah, like you you get a sense of his motivations by the end of this book yeah, and it's he is terrible. no good he is out for murder it's it's and i mean he, he doesn't care about having peace with the republic he wants to take out the jedi and obviously this all comes this all stems back to the path of the open hand and it's it's yeah. it rhymes it's his great grandmother yeah. yeah it's it's all about this sort of uh anti-jedi collective terrorist organization and it's like it's truly frightening and like yeah. they, they've got to figure out a way to get in there at the end of this book we sort of have keys to figure out how to to strike at the nile the heart of the nile but but we don't know we still don't yeah. know where that's all going but yeah so the other story angle is avar chris and um and eventually porter angle who is my favorite character oh, and, the blade of like, bardotta uh, even in like the, the character encyclopedia he's like the first jedi featured and i was like yeah yeah that's because he's the baddest and he's incredible as a character it's like yeah. balen skull and porter angle it's like these these characters are too much for me like, like yeah calm down star wars yeah um, they're yeah, two of the most <laughs> badass jedi of all time <laughs> yeah it's it's awesome so um yeah, yeah. avar chris's angle is so cool though where it's like she hangs out with an Ugnaught for most of this book. Yeah. <laughs> and on Head um, I have spoken. And she's sneaking around for it. She's been sneaking around in Nile space for a year, basically trying to find clues to, you know, the heart of the Nile, how to get off the planet, how to get back to Coruscant, all this sort of stuff. And generally uh, just helping people. Like, yeah, and helping people as well. Whenever she can, yeah. That's uh, what I, I, you know, that's one thing, you know, uh, a theme that comes back here a lot is sort of like, what are, you know, it's like, what are the Jedi? You know, this is what we talked about last week right. was just like that. That's the real philosophical question. Like, what does a Jedi make? Like, like, how do you make a Jedi? What is your goal? What is the whole ethos? And so you've got a lot of these desperate Jedi that are stranded alone and they're trying to figure out their role in the galaxy. Now it's like, they knew what it was when it was the true high Republic and everything was gleaming and beautiful but it's like when you're desperate yeah. and alone and in right. trying times, what is your role? Like, what do you but do? But it's sort of exploring attachment, I think, throughout the, yes. the book as well, where it's like, you know, when Jedi are alone or when Jedi feel like they're, you know, without their order or without their companions or their you know, fellow knights and masters, um, like, how are, is there a sense of longing? Do they want to reunite with these people? And yes, they do. Because when Avar reunites with Porter Angle, she's like, this, it's like a panacea. I feel cured of the the, yeah. the longing and the sickness that I felt alone and, and sort of afraid. And like when she saw Porter for the first time, and then obviously Elzar at the end of the book, it, it, it's the, it thematically rhymes where she again sees a Jedi that means a lot to her. And um, it's it that basically the book ends on this note. <laughs> like, yeah, this person matters a great deal. And I'm super interested to see where the Avar Elzar storyline yeah. is going to go at the end of this book. I'm like, okay, this is going to be the epic sort of relationship at the center yeah. of the Jedi, I guess. Um, yeah. And so I, I finally took a peek because it's been a while. So I wanted to see how long phase three would be. The answer yeah. is real long. <laughs> it's it's so not going like, to finish till 2025. Yeah. It's like all through next year. Um, yeah, yeah. the last book, Charles Sewell's book comes out like spring 2025. 
Well, there's, well, well, we can talk about sort of some of the history or the grimoire, or the lore that's developed in this book with, you know, certain characters like Aslan Rell, basically. Yeah. Oh, so. yeah. yeah. So <laughs> that's, I mean, that's yeah, an XYA novel. Yeah, it's called for, uh, Tears for... the Nameless, I think. And <sighs> it's, um, I don't the remember. The, the Fallen One? Yeah. And they keep talking about, this is a side story. Yeah, the fallen one. I know you love this. Aslan Rell, so new character, bunch of new characters in this book. Yeah. But he is a fallen dark side, a Jedi that has fallen to the dark side, but he's still like boys with Yoda because reasons. And Yoda's right. pulling him out. <laughs> Yoda like called him up, by the way. He yes. The DMs and was like, we need you. We need you. I got a guy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he's like, he's going to help us. So like. I feel like I'm missing comics that lead. Like, I want to see Yoda go find this dude. Like, I want to see him bring him in. Like, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. But I do know that Tears of the Nameless, it's going to be Aslan Rell. It's going to be Wreath Silas. And it's going to be another dude that I don't know his name. Okay, very cool. Um, but that they're going to explain this is like a side mission. So they, they've, you know, they've kind of broken down. How are we going to defeat the Nihil? They're like, we need to penetrate the storm wall, right? right. That's one thing. Um, and we need to, you know, get communication and find out what's going on inside. But we also, like, the Jedi, led by Yoda, says, you know, we need to figure out the uh, what the Nameless are. He's, he thinks that the Nameless and the history of the Nameless and their role in this is key to defeating the Nihil. And and, yeah. and all that, which is a yeah. stretch, but it's going to be awesome because I think there is a larger story. They're not just this one dimensional like boogeyman creature. There's something else like the Nihil serve a purpose and we don't know what that is yet. But I think we're going to find out in future books and probably that a lot in that YA novel that's coming out in a couple months, I think. Yeah, I do wonder if it will connect to larger canon material. Like we see the advent of the Sith within the Nile and it kind of sort of connects back to, you know, uh, the Sith in hiding in some way. And that or I wonder if, you know, we explore Malachor and sort of the history there because all those Jedi got petrified, essentially. (laughs) And um, something did that to them, Uh, either the super weapon or possibly the nameless, you know, like something. There, there is a way to connect it back to canon in a really fun way. But I also would be happy if it's a completely new territory and sort of sets up a different, uh, you know, larger event in the past or, yeah. you know, or it just sort of connects the nameless to the Nile in a way that is fascinating, um, which they George Mann's proven to do in this book. is just many, many fascinating concepts back to back Jedi attachment. Um, how do you negotiate with murderers? <laughs> like, right. um, like, uh, you know, and then helping people when you can and, and trying to figure out what you can do to better everyone's lives around you, which seems sort of muddy in the outer rim where people are surviving any way they can. And the Republic has sort of, you know, they haven't even explored certain areas here. It's only those kind of robber baron families like the graphs and the Sentecas and, the star roses and of, of the galaxy that have sort of explored deep space and, and understand which ones, which worlds are sort of populated and what, what you can do there. But uh, Nile space is ex- expanding in this book. Like it's yeah, literally, it's, they're only winning. Like the, the Nile are just getting dub after dub in this book. Uh, yeah, as always. I, I, yeah. That's like, <laughs> it's just a witness, honestly, or read. I'm just like, I what know. is going no, like you, the, there's no way that the dial basically expand the storm wall. Like Mark on row is jigsaw on a galactic scale. It's yes, like, exactly. <laughs> it's 
It's like, what is happening right now? I know. It's just like they just not. He'll just keep kicking the Jedi's butt, man. It's like yeah. it's tough. And like the Azar Chris stuff. I mean, um, I'm sorry, Avar Chris, right? Yeah. She like her stuff on Hetzel, like brought it home, right? And I was like, it made me long for the first novel where I was like, oh yeah, they got some dubs in the first novel, and they're like. But little did I know, like, that's the last win they were going to get for a very long time. Right. The first novel is like some Superman yeah. film where it's just essentially like the Jedi, like a great disaster occurs. A lot of objects, you know, fly out of hyperspace and hit planets and ships and people are in distress. And the Jedi just come in and just get a fat dub for and help yeah. everybody. They mop up. There's a battle against the hill. Yeah. They just like route the hill. You know, a couple fighters are lost, but then they're like, wow, that was terrible. We lost like a couple people. It's like little did they know. But they ultimately routed the Nihil and, you know, and now, you know, here they are, you know. Then Valo was like this, you know, monstrous, oh. awful, like terrorist attack. And then, of course, Starlight Beacon getting plucked from the sky yeah. um, was awful. Like, there awful is a poetry so many to the ways. books, though, in that, like, Starlight Beacon is an inverse Death Star. Yes! It, 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 like, it's very cool in that regard, I would say. Um, it, that, it's cool yeah. to think about. But yes, and then Starlight Beacon, the fall of Starlight Beacon, and now this new boundary, um, the uh, the Stormwall, like, I, I, I don't know what I think about it yet. I feel like it's fascinating in the book to for all the characters to sort of figure out figure out like technical workarounds where they're like oh we need to go to a station or a buoy yeah uh, or you know and sort of uh, disrupt the relay field just right in that area and then Oof. get through with as many ships as we can and all that sort of stuff and it's just really cool plotting um it just seems very overpowered at this point like mark on can just expand it and i'm yeah. like where did this tech come from right. who built this like what right. is going on here <laughs> yeah i'm very confused I, I about think, um I think it was a Staros that actually built it. I remember, I think in that Valo book, they were working on some tech and I think that might've been this tech, but I, I can't okay. be sure. I remember there That's was like, cool. remember there was like a Staros, I think that was, there's like some technician that was being shepherded out of Valo that was like working for the Nihil secretly and, or it was like looking for the highest bidder and it was this crazy tech. It might've been this that's, but I, I don't know that there's no substantiation to that, but yeah, you're right. It's like, so that was one thing that this book taught me. I was just like, well, tech rules the galaxy. You know, it's always like a death star or it's like some crazy right. like manipulation or like whatever Zon's up to, like whatever new ship Zon finds, to um sorry zon thrawn thrawn yeah, yeah thrawn um you know that thrawn finds and like he'll use some little piece of tech to turn the tide where it's a tide offender or like in the novels it's like cloaking ships or like you know whatever mm -hmm. it is and this is another case of that it's this storm wall that's like impenetrable to any signals whatsoever you can't hyperspace through it it's too big to go in slow space through um it it's cool it's really cool um that they're that they're doing it but it's it's tough to wrap your mind around for sure or it's just the expanding part was just a lot yeah. i was like whoa okay i guess mark yeah. john Rowe can just expand and it, what's interesting is i'm trying to figure out like what the poetic comment commentary is of it expanding to uh sort of cer certain sectors like the Siswana sector which yeah. is where it area do is which is sort of a central hub for the empire 200 years later in a place of extreme you know, 
order and author authoritarian Reason. rule and yeah. just an awful place where basically, uh, you know, Tarkin is the, the oversector moth of all the the outer rim territories. And I imagine that incorporates uh, Iriadu, um, yeah. his home world. And so it's probably just brutal on that planet. It's probably Wait, just a planet oh, so of that's... extreme order. And, okay. and like, you know, and so I imagine like the commentary here is that like the Jedi and the Republic allow like the Nile to take a, a system like the Saswana, like the Ariadu system, like, and then, you know, in the Empire rules, like you, you can't imagine anyone gaining territory <laughs> within yeah. the galaxy because, you know, uh, Ariadu is sort of uh, on the main hub aside from Coruscant. Yeah, right. Because it's Tarkin's homeworld, and we right. saw that in Bad Batch. Um, yeah. It's there's a lot of major communications and and you know uh, meetings with higher ups uh, right. going on there. Yeah, um, yeah Tarkin's homeworld, man. I, so you know what? I thought it was Iadu from Rogue One when I was reading. Oh no, that's it's what Iriadu. I was thinking. Iriadu. It's yeah, Iriadu. Yeah. yeah, right. It's this is Tarkin. So thank you for reminding me of that. Yeah, no problem. But, yeah. um, but just trying to find whatever I kernels of sort of narr narrative sort of commentary that they're trying to explore. Um, and that, that was that was one I was like, like thinking like, well, how does he expand this far into the galaxy? And then he expands to certain worlds that we know about from the, the you know, later timelines. It's I was like, what is what is what is this whole storyline about? Like, what does Markian Rowe mean? You right. know? That's for me. That's what these books are all about. It's like what you're saying. What does Jedi mean? I'm like, what is Markian Rowe? Who yes. is Markian Rowe? That is, is my whole thing. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right, dude. I had the same thoughts. Um, it, it because it's like, yeah, like last week I was like, what is a Jedi? And I'm still like that. You know, like what does it yeah, mean to true. be a Jedi? But it's like now it's like, what does it mean to be in the hill? We're trying to figure out what Markian Rowe's endgame is because it's chaos, it's anarchy. You know, he doesn't want to be part of. You know, he has his girlfriend, Garrus Daros, like with her own end goals to actually try to reel him in a little bit. And like and she wants to be a senator for Nihil Space um, right. and a representative and work. But it's like that's not what Mark Yonro is about. It's like he's like the Joker, dude. He just needs dynamite yeah. and gasoline. He didn't want the peace talks to even take place or yeah. he didn't care if yeah. they fell through because he was like, I just want to destroy the Jedi. And like yeah. you're just like, oh. Okay, this guy's just a mustache twirling. Like I have to destroy yes. the Republic and the Jedi. Yeah, and but like, what is their endgame? It's like you, if, you know, what are you going to expand the hill space till you own it all and it's all chaos? Like, I don't know. I don't. I don't think he can do that. You know, it's like already Yoda's like he's too far stretched thin with this expansion. You know, we'll see if that bears out to be true or not. But well, I like the imagery of a storm in a storm wall and sort of the Jedi quelling the storm because this book over and over again, the theme is that the Jedi have to quell the storm within themselves constantly. Yeah. They're constantly dealing with loss and they're suffering like, like this, yeah. you know, this, these three phases, like the Jedi have just gone through <laughs> an absolute gauntlet. Yeah. And, <laughs> and by proxy, the readers have also gone through that gambit of just yeah. pain and suffering. I'm like, just, I'm like, please just at the end of this, there is a great part, you know, um, uh, Avar Chris breaks through the wall. She figures out some tech from Porter angle and she, she gets out and she gets, you know, and she reunites with the rest of the galaxy. Most importantly, Elzar man and the council. And, and there's a communication mm -hmm. thing. And like, that's yeah. the big dub we get out of this. Um, but Porter angle features in doubt. too. Yeah. yeah. Porter angle gets left behind, but takes a drill ship, tries to get out. Yeah. Like it's so cool. It's, it's really cool action sequencing. Right. Sure. And it ties back to that comic, um, 
Oh, uh, I guess Vise. Vise is uh, he he confronts Vise again, and they're both yeah. like two hundred years old. They're like they're like old. Yeah. They're basically both their species can live for a very long time, and uh, they meet. They fight each other again. Vise right. is such a cool character. She's actually just plated with Beskar armor, like a Mandalorian. It has like a Beskar spear. Yeah. Um, like pole arm, and, <laughs> and uh, it, she's just a super cool character. Yeah, uh, lots of and, art, and her. she ties back to the comic book series, the Blade. The Blade, right? yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. So it's like so that tied in that comic, which was a fantastic comic about Porter Engel's early life, um, his adopted sister, um, Barash Sylvan. Yeah, yeah where Sylvan. the Barash Barash um, vow comes from, basically. If you've read yep. the Vader comics and you know about that Jedi that basically took the Barash vow and yeah, Vader confronts him. Yeah, yeah. Um, so really cool stuff. I mean, yeah, there's, there's she has green eyes. She's like the coolest Star Wars character I've ever seen. And I was like, bearish. how do you have green eyes? Yeah. Bearish, bearish, uh, Sylvan. Mm. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. I would love to see cool. that character in live action. I think poor Engel's the coolest character I've ever seen ever. Like he's, yeah. he's Nick Crookian, um, with his like horns cut off i think and so it's i like don't think stubs. they have corn like, horns what I think they just have like the stubs I think stubby that, things at the top yeah. of his head it's just a cool looking yeah species. he looks like hellboy pretty much yeah. is like that's the species but like i don't think they ever grow horns i think they just have those like two stubs on their forehead okay. and that's it yeah because i've never seen one with horns um, sure but i i've yeah there's been a Krukians before i think in like return of the jedi you know stuff like that but he, um, fights, he fights Vice and it's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Everything Porter Engel does is cool. Like the every chapter of his is just lovely. He's just so centered and so at peace with life and death. And is just like trying to like, you know, finish his story in a poetic way and like do the right thing for people he knows. It's, it's like it's the wisdom of old age. You know, he's he's lived this long life. And and so he's just a better Jedi for it. And so he's kind of on the other end of this, you know, maelstrom, this gauntlet that mm-hmm. Avar and Elzar and Belzedafar are just at the beginning of, like really starting to go through real strife and, and real problems in their life. And, you know, Elzar's known that his whole life. And, you know, so he's a little better equipped to handle all of it. But everyone else is freaking out, you know. When, are we going to talk about Elzar's pull to the dark side at some point and yep. sort of like the idea that like basically just how emotionally connected he is to Avar Chris and sort of like what we think might happen with his kid. I, I feel like there's just so much foreshadowing that he's going to fall to the dark side yes. in a major way. Like yeah. it's just, it's just so apparent in this book. Yeah. I mean, my first like note, I, I'm like, have my notes in front of me like yeah. happened in the first third of the book. It was like, all around Elzar, the Senate was bustling. The clamor of voices seemed to press in on him, noisy and oppressive, drowning out his thoughts until he was lost at sea. The silence contained within the raging heart of the maelstrom, empty, hollow, and alone. It's like, and I was like, darkside.org? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Elzar falls to the dark side? Yeah. yeah. I mean, and it's over and over. And then he literally, like, you know, the, we have his inner monologue because it's a book and it's great. Right. And, um, and he's going like he feels real pull to the dark side and he always pulls himself back. But it's just like so this is my question for yeah, sure. you, Grant. Um, do you think 
it's the will of the force that Elzar Man turns to the dark side. I think Mark Young Rowe, like you said, is the Joker. So I'm, I'm guessing that that final confrontation is going to end in a sacrifice where someone is basically pulled into sort of a, 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 boop, a room that's rigged to explode or, you know, something that's just not going to go well for either him, either, you know, them or Mark Young Rowe. And so I'm just worried about what that means and sort of, and also like if Mark Young Rowe hurts someone like Avar Chris, like I get Elzar Chris is definitely going to, uh, Elvar Elzar man is definitely going to um, lose his probably snap. And then, um, or I would love it if it's sort of playing it that Elzar will snap the entire time, but then it basically uh, subverts your expectations and Avar snaps because the beginning of the, you know, the books, it was all about Avar Chris. And I was just like, Oh, maybe this character is going to have some major climactic resolve with uh, the villain over anyone else, essentially. Yeah, I and mean, so I, I would like Avar Chris to snap. <laughs> that'd be. Cool. I mean, it's already been precedented that um, it, uh, Elzar Man has snapped in that that Valo book. Um, right. I think it was Claudia Gray sure. um, that wrote it, and um, yeah, he did, and he was like insanely powerful, and he was like throw, you know, riding a dragon, yeah, riding starships into other starships, like he was, yeah, he was op um, yeah. with the dark side. Um, and yeah, it could be that. And I, I love that you're subverting it. But Mike, that was not my question. My question sure. is like, do you think it's possible? All right. That the force would make someone turn to the dark side in order to actually even out like the to balance rebalance the force, because like I kept waiting for Porter Engels like, oh, yeah, you know, I could like pretty much kill everyone in the Nihil right now. But like, I just really feel like that's not our thing. And I just want to get the like information. The information needs to get out. I'm like the information like this guy could just like systematically destroy pretty much everybody. And Porter does talk about the hand of the force. Yes. Uh, at a moment in this book where he's talking to Avar Chris and he's like, you know, the force has a hand in this or the hand of the force right. you know, is at work here. And I'm like, that is very cool. Like the force is, you know, motivating certain people to do certain things. And and sort of, it is a course corrector. Right. And I mean, what you're saying is like, are, are you, it's almost like, is it validation that Vader was a, the, the, what you're talking no, about? Someone no. who the force I... sort of made fall to the dark side to even out the scale of like, force users and sort of no i think it's because like that's the one thing in the higher public is they're so goody two-shoes they're like they don't want to kill anybody and it's like even in defense like in the face of this like pure terror pure chaos murderers just like people that just want to kill they're like abjectly evil they still don't want to kill anybody and it's really hurt them in a lot of places. And like, I agree with the storytelling they've done with like Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know, not killing Vader and Luke Skywalker and like all these people that are just like, no, I'm not going to just like murder someone. Right. But like, do yeah. they want Porter Engel to go John Wick? Because I want Porter Engel to go John Wick. Well, <laughs> wait, hold on. We're on a different question. We're going straight to Porter Engel going John Wick. Well, the, that's oh, what I'm saying. I think the force wants Porter uh, Porter Angle to go John Wick. That's like in order it to does, like balance he's the, the power. Sword fighter, sword yeah, fighter. Yeah, because order, if they were like okay with just killing like Nihil, they could just like storm them and just murder everyone. Yeah, but they don't, and you get to you get to 
you know, hear about their inner thoughts in this book, which is that when Avar and Porter basically um, uh, sneak aboard, uh, is it Mellis Strike's ship or is it yeah. a Visa's ship? Yeah, I think it's Mellis Strike's ship. Mellis Strike, um, yeah. Uh, they basically like when they attack, they basically fight the Nile, but then the Nile like run away or they like, yeah, they're like, they're basically like terrified of the Jedi. And Amar Chris is like thinking to herself, she's like, why are they running away? Like, what, yeah. who are we to them? Like, we're here to like bring peace and like, we're yeah. just here to help people. Like, if you don't want to fight, just lay down your arms and a, yeah. a Jedi is not going to kill you. Right. They're going to, they're going to help you immediately. And they're going to, you're probably not going to get a terrible sentencing and they'll probably help you relocate out of the occlusion. Right. It's like, it's so, they are peacekeepers first yeah. and foremost. Yeah. And she's just bewildered by like just the prejudice and the fear that these people have. It's yeah. She doesn't understand it at all. And I'm like, this is fascinating because yeah. I totally get this wavelength. Like I totally, and, and you, I think it has to be part of the commentary of books that predate the star Wars films, given that you have to imagine Jedi were, you know, what Obi-Wan said they were peacekeepers yeah. and people knew them as that hopefully, because hopefully their, you know, PR team got yeah. out front and was just like, yeah, we, they bring, we bring peace and we're here to help. Like right. first, I hope that that's what the, the first thing they sort of said, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, that ties back to that short story we were talking about mm -hmm. with, uh, you know, uh, bells out of and loading great storm where it sort of goes back and forth with two things. And they just like, they just exist in a world with people and are just good people and just them being good people on this tiny little micro scale around other people. Just like, Hey, do you want help with that? I'll help you. With like, we'll just put that yeah. over there. Um, you know, so like, we'll just help you with it. Like, and then they just help people like on a little scale, like, Oh, do you need help with that? Great. I'll help you with that. Don't worry about it. You don't want anything. Right. Like, we'll just do it. And, and like, it shows the whole town what they could be. Mm -hmm. Like, right. that's my favorite flavor of Jedi. I think, like, that's really at the core of it. It's just, like, when you're just a good person and it's not arrogance, it's just, like, helping people, um, you know, it, it it resonates and it, it shows other people how they should act. Um, and then obviously, yeah. there's larger messages there. But, yeah. I yeah. Mean, the Jedi. So fascinating in this book because you do get to witness sort of the council discussions and you do yeah. get insight into what all the Jedi are thinking politically about yeah. the negotiations with the Nile and Opo Rancisis. Yeah. I got to call this guy out right now. Oh yeah. He you thinks that beef? like Gira is like, I, they should continue the talks and Gira bringing Gira into the, you know, the Republic as some sort of representative, legitimate representative of the Nile is good. And, or like will maybe tame the Nile, I think he says at one point. Yeah. I was like, yeah. okay. Right. Like this is, and then you have other people like Keaton Murag, who's like furious at Aslan Rell. Like it's so cool to see the council sort of untethered and like, yeah. I don't know. Like I, I love that stuff in these books. I do too. So something you might not know about me, I am a huge uh, Winston Churchill fan. Sure. Um, yeah. Just, I, I love his oratory. No, I mean, He's like, my, I, yeah, I'm, I grew yeah. up, my stepdad was British, so I totally understand that right. I love. Yeah. He's like a poet commander. I just love reading his speeches. It's, they're, they're fascinating and beautiful and, and enthralling and great. So I just watched another, uh, I think it was The Gathering Storm. It was a film from um, 2002. It was uh, Ridley Scott and uh, Tony Scott um, mm. produced it. 
um very cool um i know the darkest hour i didn't know yeah darkest hour was great i've seen that too there's so there's i watched the gathering storm and then into the storm and but that was okay so you had a winston churchill like day you just week really yeah yeah, week okay great yeah yeah it was two different nights that we did that um and but yeah both were i mean very um, yeah but um a lot of parallels to what we just read well so this was the thing you know it's like he it was like before winston churchill was pm you know they they wanted to pick a guy that um would wanted to parlay with the nazis like this was their thing they're like well they're right there they're at death's door like yes they're obviously there's concentrations have already started they're killing jews they're like doing all these things and yet there was like people within that party which i totally believe after seeing mm-hmm. current politics that were just like well maybe we should just negotiate with them yeah that's and, you know i want yeah i know ken burns is putting on a documentary about world war ii and sort of who knew what when and yeah. i'm dying to watch that documentary because i i just yeah like just seeing politicians today and seeing the same sort of just truly evil like sort of yeah. representation of of sort of whatever their principles are it, it's just like there's a lot of just yeah. real sort of yeah bad people in yeah. politics kissinger should just be highlighted, finally honestly. died and it's like if yeah if you want to listen to a good podcast yeah. about kissinger behind the bastards did a six-parter with uh okay with the yeah. dollop guys dave anthony and yep. gareth reynolds um, yeah. it's hilarious and terrifying and very illuminating. And you're like, oh, okay, like this yeah. makes sense. But it's he, like, we, he essentially should have been hung for high treason in the seventies, but like the, you know, Democrats are too spineless to do anything. Anyways, the yeah, point of spinelessness, it, I think that's what I'm yeah, thinking. Yeah. Spinelessness, the spinelessness yeah. on the liberal side yeah. and the audaciousness on the Republicans. It's like, yeah. And it's the same thing happened then. And here we are 50 years later and the same thing's happening now. And it's just a little infuriating anyways. Right. Yeah. Um, the, like in this thing, it's just sort of like they're having that conversation of just like, should we just negotiate within a hill? And, and even though they've just been like eating our lunch, um, all these times and they've done all these horrible Attacking things. Attacking a fair yeah. about like a Republic, the Republic yeah. fair basically on Valo, but which dude. was a place where people were sharing ideas. It was like a hub of innovation and, yeah. uh, celebration. Yeah. And the, the chancellor Republic. was on the ground for that. I mean, she was like stuck in that and Elzar man saved her life. She lost her leg in that battle. Like yeah. she knew like just how horrific that was. I mean, crashing starlight beacon is like, I mean, it, it hurts starlight me beacon as a just reader. there to help people. It's like, yeah, it's like 5G. It's yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's, like, it's absolutely yeah. It, you just there's no way they. It's, it's 5G for the masses. Anyone, even Giristaros would have sympathy for the Nile. Yeah. you're just like, what are you doing? Like, yeah, on Row basically sits on a throne on the Gaze Electric, a, like an HR Giger esque like starship <laughs> in Star Wars. That is just like, of course, this guy is evil. Like, yeah. I don't know what is going yeah. on. We're gonna trust this guy? <laughs> no, I love that conversation because like it, it's it's like. Uh, you know that that whole relationship between Elzar Man and Lena So, and Lena So is like drawing Elzar out into his new role. Like he's essentially has to fill Stellan Geos's role as just like this like stud of the Jedi that they can com- you know commune with and talk to with the Republic and you know and just like be another voice of reason beyond the Council, yeah. which is like the Council's the Council, right? And Elzar finally like comes out of his shell and he's just like, you know, he's like, my heart tells me these people are terrorists and like, they will never relent. And it's the same thing that happens in Britain and because of 
Winston Churchill that's just like, mm-hmm. we will never get up, give up. We will fight to the end. Perhaps this, you know, island will be taken, but you know, not while anyone's alive to fight for it. You know, like just that line in the sand, burn the ships. Like, no, we're going to fight till the end on this because that's the right thing to do. And, right. you know, they have that conversation. But then when the book ends, they're they're actually because, you know, when the uh, occlusion zone expands and they, they suffer another loss, they're actually considering doing it. And Avar Chris's escape may have changed that fate. We don't know by the end of this book. But like that's kind of where the council is, is just like, let's just try to parlay for peace and see what happens you know, is kind of their, their last gambit. It's the only thing they have. And it's right. Terrifying. So when you think, yeah. And so when I think the hand of the force and what the force is doing, tying back to your, you know, initial, uh, sort of question, Avar getting back with the, the information from the EX droid that she has, um, the, the information about how to penetrate the storm wall. Yeah. Um, you know, where Mark, Mark out and lightning crash station, possibly maybe the, yeah. the, the, the coordinates for that place, which Mark Young Rowe mentions yeah. at one point in this book, which seems to be a pivotal location that we'll probably explore in, in future stories. But um, yeah, that it's, it, she's back now with this information, this, this vital information. Um, I think it's time for an assault. Like, I think that they're ready. Like they now have right. the information. So yeah. there was another throwaway line at the end of the book and Mark Yanro's like, they think they've solved it, but uh, we've patched up the old holes and the old blah, blah, blah. So they might not be able to get back through with that tech because Mark Yan, like just like his, they've, his people have already realized what the flaw was. And I, I think Mark Yan's Yeah, but they don't like, have a Ram jammer in. All right. Right. They don't. <laughs> Yo, this is where, yo, I mean, Kevin Tarr is a real G. I love Kevin Tarr. But, like, Ram Jamaran needs to come into this biatch <laughs> yeah, yeah. and fucking make Well, who's going to work with, like, the, the data, basically? and the... It's Kevin Tarr, which is so funny because, like, one of my best friends' name is Alex Tarr. And okay. uh, so I can't help but think about Alex Tarr being like, yo, man, like, it'll be, like, fine. Like, that's, yeah. Um, anyways, but, and also Kevin Tarr, not a very star Wars name, <laughs> but like, he's the guy, he was at the, the first book, he was at That's the first right. Hetzel like disaster. Yeah. He was the guy that pulled everything together and they like brought together all those droids. Remember that they like daisy chained a million droids to fix something or other. And, um, yeah, the, Kevin Tarr is their guy. Uh, he's their tech guy, but like Ram Jamaran, man, I mean, that's the guy I'd be calling, you know, that's I mean? who, yeah, that's what I'm hoping gets involved, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, can we talk about some of these characters? Let's go. Okay. Um let's get into it. Oh, Protre Veter. I mean, rest in peace. I just R.I.P. We hardly knew him. Yeah. You know. And like right, we didn't see it in a comic him getting captured any, or did he get captured at the end of the last phase yeah, one book? I think so. Yes, yeah. fall of the fall of Starlight, I think he Yeah, he got captured. Okay. Um, Fallen Star, I believe that book's called. Um Anyways, we get a lot of the council, but um, who else do we have here that we haven't talked Re- about? Uh, Balin, the Ugnaught, Belen? Belen, yeah. Belen? Yeah, yeah. Belen. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's a classic like Jedi moment where like Avar Chris is just so alone. She runs into this crazy Ugnaught, Belen, um, you know, with all the swagger of Lando Calrissian and like and the flying chops of Han Solo. And like, she doesn't really know it. She, you know, it's a 
tiny, funny looking package that she's dealing with. And, you know, but he, him and all his crassness, like he sees her, like they feed off each other's goodness, you know, right. she's like, no, this is the right thing to do. We're going to bring this food. He sees her heart get broken. We realize it's not enough food for any amount of time. And, but then that like kind of inspires Balin to be a better person too. And then he's like ride or die with Avar. He's like, yeah, right. no, this he's is the right thing to shipper, do. Grain transporter. Yeah. Um, and uh, he is, he's like, oh, I can, I, I, he's just looking out for himself. And, um, but then he's, he wants to help with the mission. And he's sort of one of those, the classic sort of arc of like side character who wants to get involved and help the Jedi. Um, but right. he, his whole, you can't even talk about Belen without talking about real Dairo, which is yeah. a character who's the spokesperson for the Nile, but yeah. forced to be a spokesperson. She's Anderson Cooper yeah. of, uh, <laughs> sorry, I don't know that was the first name. <laughs> yeah, the galaxy. But yeah, Anderson yeah. Cooper was basically held hostage by CNN. Yeah, yeah. that's basically who she is. Uh, very cool char- character. Reminds me of Sinjax from um, the... Uh, Rebel Rising book. Yes. Yeah. With Jin Erso, where it's like uh, there's a basically an Imperial spokesperson, yeah. um, Colonel Sinjax, who uh very cool character. Yeah, Rebel Rising. Chief of Propaganda, oh. like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, I mean, so that's another thing that ties into current stuff. I've been thinking a lot about this. I'm sorry to get on the really real so much, but it's like the role of media, especially since like listening to this Kissinger stuff, because like <sighs> Dude, the media there can, are so many political yeah. sort of corollaries with this book yeah. right now and in history. And it's just it's a common thing where you are dealing with threats that are chaotic and murderous. Yeah. And yet that there is a sort of political heaviness yeah. to their own agenda that is basically like, you know, spilling into the minds of everyone around them in the peripheries and in the disenfranchised, yeah. you know, regions of, you know, of whatever place that they dominate and control all news and media and what people hear. And real Dairo is definitely a component of that where she's yeah. this person for it all and forced to be so. And it's right. dark, but yeah, keep yeah. going. And You're that, talking I about mean, all that... the connections. I am. I mean, and that's a common theme of the Nihil where they just take things that are the bastions of the Republic and then they twist them and make them, you know, a, a you know, symbol of danger and, and evil. Um, but yeah, I just think like, you know, that like the media, they can, you know, there's a difference between reporting facts and reporting truth. And, yeah. and, you know, cause the facts are always a selection of facts. It's not all of them, but it's like, right. they have a responsibility to tell the truth and it, yeah. Anyway, sorry. That's it's a narrative once you sort of curate the order of those facts. Right. Uh, whereas the Jedi, I think, stand for truth. And the Republic is about seeking truth. And the Nihil are, it's it's just so clear that, you know, in their name, the Nihil, they believe yeah. in nothing. They believe in chaos, just, anarchy. Yeah. Yeah. Pessimists, chaotic, pessimistic, sort of anarchy. Yeah. Survival of the fittest, which is and like, yes, I love how this book, the, the, like, yeah. yeah, this book like mocks survival of the fittest so hard in a beautiful way where it's just like, yeah, you know, survival sure. of the fittest, everyone dies. It's like, you know, sure. that's not how yeah. it's that, you know, that's not a, a functional real, you know, ethos. Yeah. Yeah. The, dude, this book was lit. Like I, I <laughs> yeah, went in, went in on all the books. Yeah, I have to admit, like, you know, this guy, um, uh, George Mann, like he wrote the audio book, um, Battle of Jedha. 
and that was not my favorite story. I'll just say that. Like it wasn't it like it was not my favorite story, maybe because it had to be an audio play or whatever. Like I don't know. But this book was a titan. It was fantastic. It's it's a great right. book and um I think it really showed off all of George Mann's best assets. Like it definitely had a different vibe than all the other authors, um, but it was fantastic. It was like really cerebral. It really got into the inner workings. It took a lot of time to like be in the characters' brains and like, you know, what their thought processes were and like really rolling everything over in a minute way. And um, yeah, it was fun. It, it was, it was a good book. And it was like, like we said, I mean, it was very emotive. It was a very intellectually stimulating mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah. set of like situations um that that you know didn't really have any clear answer like any of them and um and it was that was titillating it was great yeah no i i agree with that i feel like all the exploration of the nile which i would love to talk about just some of the nile and mark young row and thea fair and Giristaros and bulin just shout out to bulin the ithorian yes just absolute weirdo scientist um mad scientists yeah but, yeah uh, yeah new character and but they basically yeah. do a like george's man did a lot of work to set up the nile but the nile have taken a turn where it's basically like they're now essentially all out for blood and all out to prove themselves yeah. uh to marquion row and so it's this incredibly sort of like barbaric fighting force that's now just out there and they george man spends a lot of time with them and exploring that whole thing. But what I love is that he does it through the lens of Kira Staros, who still has light in her. And she is, she sees the value of democracy. Well, she sees the value of the Republic. I mean, uh, she's only to leverage her own power, and, but yeah. yeah. And like, yeah, it, it's interesting because like to the outside of the occlusion zone, everyone's like, we're getting our asses kicked. Like, how are we ever going to bounce back from this? Yeah. But inside the occlusion zone, inside Markian Rose's inner circle, like they all feel like this can't be sustained because it's like they're just killing each other to jockey for position. And yeah. no one wants to get like people are like, yo, we won. Like, shouldn't we be, you know, reaping the spoils of like our victory and like enjoying our life? Like, what is the end game here? And like, that's the existential question that is not answered and and we're still all wondering about like what is the end game for Markion Rowe here you know like they're just like are we just going to all kill each other till there's no one's left like to to be higher up in the echelon you know like yeah. I mean, they are are they capitalism like is that what that is like it's just like we just right. keep eating each other like until we're right. all dead it, no i think i was going to key exactly in on that exactly where it's basically like is their mantra like, like this doggy dog mantra? Is that is is that just highlighting that anyone who's got a chaotic or murderous ideology, it, it it's sort of it will become it will become a factor wherein they don't trust each other, and you get that with yeah. Melis Shrike and Vise basically when Melis Shrike is like Vise has arrived to I guess um, um, provide backup to Melis Shrike, but. Melistrike is also like Vise might be out here to like kill me. This might yeah. be another storm, or this might be another yeah. like uh, this is, strike team that's yeah. good, like this is Vise's protege, Melistrike, right? And like Melistrike sure. is like imitating her and doing all the things, all the things that you yeah. find endearing normally, but she's like a sycophant. And it's yeah. you know, it's very much like the Sith, where it's like, yeah. I will train you until you become a rival and then I'll kill you, you know. Yes. Or if I when your usefulness is done. 
you're dead. Like it, it's it's a very similar ethos. And I think that commentary is really useful and important to sort of put out there in the world, which is like that wherever there's extremism, those people who are, you know, going through that are, are going to have extreme views of other people around them and things like that. It's going to be dark and it's going to be a, a problem. And so I think that's interesting commentary. If that is indeed what they're trying, what George Mann's trying to get get into, what yeah. all the, the, the luminous, luminous uh, writers are trying to get into. Right. I mean, in that way, I think it's, it might be a George Mann's greatest triumph. I mean, it's such a subtle commentary on current politics. It's like, you can't draw direct lines. Like it's not a tone, a George Lucas tone poem. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's just, it's there if you really like look to compare it and it's, it'll sit with you because it's so striking, like his writing and, and these stories, but you, it, it is so current and yet it is, he's written it in a way that's just like, you, you don't draw direct lines. It's just like the, but the lessons are there. I'm, I'm not speaking. And we well can talk about it because it's complete fantasy. Like this yeah, is exactly. actually, it actually has no relation to our real world because the Nile are just a ridiculous space bearing, right. you know, pirate organization. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's just an interesting way to actually talk about the politics that have plagued humanity. For and, and, and that's why I love science years. fiction because it's like, you can take a sort of, it's, it's a philosophical argument, right? You pull a different situation into a vacuum and you learn from that situation that has nothing to do with anything else. And um, yeah. And so, so you can play with these thoughts and ideas and, and really think about them from different, you know, uh, perspectives and yeah. And they even talk about Mark Monroe being a sort of showman and doing well in the spotlight or whenever yeah. he's given a platform, he does re- really, really well, especially when he's broadcast out to the galaxy yeah. and things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, he started gaslighting he the galaxy, right? Like he started yeah. being like, everything's great in the occlusion zone. Everyone's feed, you know, fed yeah. well and we're everyone's happy here and it's all starlight and kisses and unicorns and it's like they're all starving and it's terrible it's like you know right. north north korea right yeah as i mean essentially the real world comp is north korea or, or you know even russia to certain yeah. regions uh given that um yeah we don't know what's going on um but uh it just feels like um when you control it, the media it's whatever you say it is right it's yeah you know, people are basically suffering on these worlds, but he is out there spouting that, oh no, but like the storm wall protected, you know, the citizens of Nihil space and, and just talking in terms of providing support to people who are within the occlusion zone. And it's like, yeah. you know, that they're anything but that there's just patrols going around looking to murder Know, yeah. any uh agents of the republic so yeah and they're still doing raids outside the occlusion zone it's yep. like come on yeah it, okay. it's it's powerful stuff like yeah. this book is just fantastic uh, yeah i think so we've gotten to most of it i mean so oh one thing i wanted to um come back on is you know you had mentioned like because i think it's a it's it's a complete flip of the like original trilogy it's like in this one, the Jedi want order and then the hell are chaos. They're not revolutionaries. And like, you know, they don't have the, um, you know, that uh, idealistic like, oh, no, these are our oppressors. And we're going to do like they're chaos. Like they're not a real revolutionaries. They're just like terrorists. Um, but it is funny that it's like it's the Jedi now that want order. It's the Jedi that had that giant space station, you know, 
um, mm-hmm. that got destroyed. It's like it's a com- it's a complete flip of it, but it's not done in a really obvious way. Um, it's just like, but it's 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 a really fun flip of what we know in Star Wars. Yeah, no, it really is, and um, I just love that Yoda basically like he talks about what he thinks everyone should do and it feels like that might be just the direction of where these books yeah. all go and what's going on here which is you know uh learn about the the nameless figure out their connection to the nile you know and then the truth will reveal itself to us and it's, it's sort of that yeah that idea is very interesting to me and i feel like if the writers are going to code anything anywhere it's going to be that yoda sort of has yeah. it figured out at this point you know what right. i mean and yoda yeah. is in each phase probably does say something that out outlined the phase essentially and so yeah yeah they're i wouldn't just be surprised like, if they do more and i'm pretty stuff. sure it's the next book it's called tears of the nameless it's a young adult novel and it's written mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure by tessa gretton oh um, she's fantastic I yeah i think i just pre-ordered it this morning um it was four in the morning i finished this book at four in the morning i woke up in the middle of the night and just was like couldn't go back to sleep right. so i started you reading. that well part you just sat you just yeah. shifted up and you were like just get your got your pillows right you dude like, I, I, i've been dreaming about the high republic for the past week like no doubt like i was just because like my brain wants to make sense of it like my brain just like wants to be like how are they going to penetrate the storm wall like that's been my life for a week <laughs> And, um, but yeah, so it was good to finish it and, yeah. you, know, you know, but like, you know, Avar gets out, um, and like the, you know, she goes to a council meeting cause of course she does and has to report and Elzar man is there and they're both just like, and like the secret recordings that Elzar man like sent that he didn't think anyone heard. Oh, that's and right. She heard like that. I openly cried when Elzar, when um, Avar listened to that recording. Yeah, like KC-78. It's sort of a Last yeah. Jedi moment where KC-78, I think, plays a hollow recording that Elzar made. And he's like, I, I I'm like, a I'm a without you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, and it's like, okay, this is attachment and the Jedi yeah. are feeling it right now. And it's like, what you... I don't know. I feel like I would love there to be more of a romance with the characters. Like yeah. I would love them to sort of create a romance within the Jedi and yeah. do Jedi. That would be great. Yeah. Um, I know there's stuff going on in Star Wars Adventures and there's stuff going on in other narratives in the High Republic where there's there's romance. But um, I'm just like I just I just need it. I just feel like yeah. that's part of the commentary that's needed after George Lucas sort of. Uh, you know, made his prequels and I feel like the prequels were diving, you know, directly into attachment in a major way, but almost in a way that felt like a setup, like for something else to come in and sort of close that gap. But I mean, the sequels do do that, but I think a lot of fans are, were, yeah, I don't want to say that because the sequels might age ex- incredibly well. And then uh, they already I think you might <laughs> like that. Yeah, they have. I, yeah. It, you know, from a certain point of view, they have. Um, but uh, I just I do wonder if people uh, sort of want more romance out of Star Wars. You know, part of the space opera or part of the opera, I would say, yeah. is romance. I, I do. You know, I mean, yeah. like, clearly they've made this like a really beautiful romance between Avar and Elzar. And um and uh, and it doesn't seem it, it seems like the secret's out. Like this isn't like no <laughs> one's like ever at the end of this book. Yeah, it doesn't even feel like scandalous. Like everyone knows it. You know who was the one that said to Elzar, who's like, oh, it was Lena So? It was just like you know, uh, whoever it is that you love um, should be grateful that you love her as much as you do. You know, um, 
And, you know, it's like, you know, if, right. if Lena, Lena so, so knows, is like, yeah, she knows. I remember that. I remember that. That was great. Yeah. Well, Lena yeah. so's kid is in. She's the, lucky, basically, or whatever. Yeah, she's like, lucky. Whoever, or whoever has your heart, like, they're lucky. Yeah. Um, because I think she's attracted to Eldar Man, because who wouldn't be? He's yeah. Like stud Jedi, yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know there was. Which definitely... also, I always thought Stellan Geos was Elzar Man, and Elzar Man was Stellan Geos. Too, when yeah. I looked at like the image, I was like, "What?" Like, yeah. in my head, Stellan Geos just looks like the Elzar Man. Right, Elzar Man needs a beard, and then Elzar Man has like the gruff, and I was yeah. like, "Yeah, he's like he's got the beard, right?" Yeah, no, no. Turns out, no, he's like clean shaven. Elzar Man is like poster boy Jedi sort of look. Yeah, but um, he's like kind of the most troubled. Um, of all right. of the Which big is... three. And like he considers himself below Stellan and Avar and ability. And like that could be true. Who knows? But it's like, you know, I know when he lets himself off the chain with the dark side, he is uh, quite powerful. Um, yeah. But yeah, he is that storm. Like I love, you know, his whole metaphor with the ocean. I loved that scene, oh, like so where cool. he just like meditates floating in the ocean. Like I just think that's so great. Yeah, he's in like chaotic moments in this book where he's like, I just, I remember just floating on the oceans of, of Ashla, like yeah. the moon of Tython. And, um, uh, I also just, um, I love Avar Chris's whole metaphor, oh. like the music and the song oh, and yeah. sort of like going to the council and hearing all the, you know, the different, uh, songs from all the different Jedi and sort of what that means and yeah. the cop of all that noise but then like everything sort of like uh becomes muted, consonant muted when it's when elzar walks in the room yeah. and sort of elzar is a whole different yeah. beat altogether and like a whole different song altogether. and i was like okay this is cool like i and like what does this mean and like uh what's going to happen with elzar and avar and and yeah, I, it's got to be tragic though, because like these books have just been so tragic. Super tragic. It's like, give us a break, guys. Like, come on. I mean, like, listen, they it's just, like, wait, can they grow old? Can Elzar and Avar uh, grow old? Yo, what if they made a little Jedi that was like the coolest Jedi ever? Like, you know, imagine if they had a kid, like, you know? Right, like, and it was just like some crazy Jedi. Like, I, I don't even know where they would land or who they would be, but like, they could make a whole story about their kid. It would be like, forget about it. Like, I don't know. I, 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 I hope Skywalkers basically, and yeah. sort of like, you know, who Anakin Skywalker could have just been the offspring of sort of a long line of Skywalkers, and I don't know. Maybe, yeah, maybe Shmi is like a relative of like. You know, she is the daughter, you know, granddaughter of their like kid or something. Like they that. have a daughter and then yeah. or they have a son and then they marry someone and change their name. And yeah. yeah. Or, um, yeah. Or they have a daughter and that daughter gets married off and it's like they're the Skywalkers and something, something. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like you could, no, you that's, could that's, do it. You could do it. But like, yeah. Well, like, again, that's we're talking about ridiculous you know, fan connections and, and yeah, it's you know, fanfic, but like it's a way for them to live and their offspring to live on. Is that, their so, is that so wrong? Grant lives. Is that, yeah. Is that wrong? Wait, I, kid, we I, just I, get some dubs. I, just yeah. give the Jedi some dubs. Like, first of all, like this whole, oh, this whole leveler thing. I'm like, it's quite Idiot. simple. And we've talked about it forever. And, and it sucks that hey, Adam isn't here because this is his like manifesto, but it's just like, no, you just surround Jedi with 
um, you know, human forces, you know, people in stormtrooper armor, whatever people, you know, that non force sensitives, sure. right. And the Jedi protect them and they protect the Jedi from the leveler, the end, like that's how you deal with a leveler. That's how, it, that that's how you win. You know? Right. Like, like you get a bunch of visas basically with Beskar armor right. yeah. and like fight. Well, yeah. even the RDC or whatever they're called, you know, like that's fine, you know, but put them in proper right. armor. Like, it just makes sense. It's like, it's just such a visual, beautiful thing to have a Jedi in front of like leading an army of people in armor, you know, like they, I feel like that should be the beginning of it. And that's like, that's how they should, you know, that's how we're, they're going to fight. I don't know. But yeah, like that's what I can't be. wait to see how, yeah, how they confront them. The nameless because, uh, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, they need support. And I think that's actually a poetic image too, because it's the Jedi are, always risking their necks for everyone in the galaxy right. it's about time that the galaxy it's a symbiont you know, for life and light yeah, yeah like all come together and sort of fight with the jedi help the jedi like people actually yeah. help and love the jedi because i feel like we now need the commentary of when the galaxy was actually super jazzed about the jedi right like we need that because right. we've, we've gotten the downfall we've gotten people becoming jaded on the Jedi and sort of the lies from yeah. the, you know, the top. Right. Yeah. Wolf. I don't know that. We'll, we'll see what happens. I, this book was just a super fun kickoff to phase three. Yeah. Huh? But I, I want can't... it all. Like I want it all right now. You know, I know I want to sink my teeth into like what they do with the nameless and just understand what that is. And yeah, That'll be that will basically form my opinion about these books. Basically, is like what happens with the nameless and Mark on Rose end, whatever that ending is. All like right. that, that will kind of form my opinion about this entire Odyssey. But um, can I pontificate on the nameless right so, now? Can I do that? Like just yeah, like yeah, random sure. tinfoil. I th I think it's either going to be that like they only feed on light side Jedi. So if you're using the dark side, right. you can defeat them. But I also like I, I'm pretty sure that like that baton that um, survived that Markian Rose using to control the like nameless right. is a Sith artifact. So like sure. that's going like the other shoe's going to drop on that. Like they're going to realize like, yeah. oh, this is a Sith artifact. So it's like we did say this last week where we were like, I bet the nameless only eat light side yeah. because and then, then that gives you. There's a lot of foreshadowing with characters like Elzar Man, right? Reef Silas, that they're right, they and might be Aslan Rel, right? Like Aslan, like you know, being a dark yeah, side, he seems to have the answers, right? And he's just like, all you need yeah. to do is embrace the dark side. It's super easy, and you know, but the Jedi would, of course, like Bill Zedifar. It's also like, a way to segue into the Sith, basically. Yeah, right? exactly, like and segue into the Acolyte, which is yep. you know. Yeah, I guess we exactly. should talk about that. The timeline has been pushed. We thought we were going to see uh, Andor season two next year. Sounds like not so much. Sounds like it might be 2025, which mm. sounds about right to me. Actually, like I knew that like that season is going to take some serious doing. It's live action and it's like done really well. And Tony Gilroy is like going to make sure it's perfect when it's out. You got to do that post work on the Bothans. It takes like a few months. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, the Bothans stuff will be serious. Sir. Yeah. <laughs> no, good, good, good corollary with the the Bothans. Uh, but we are gonna allegedly see uh, Skeleton Crew 
which I, yeah. I can't believe like yeah. there's been like really nothing about shooting, but apparently it's, it's done and over and they're in post well into post. Um, and the same with, uh, the acolyte. So we're going to see two live action series next year, which seems like a good amount. Um, and those are, cause those are both going to be heavy hitters. Um, and we're also going to get uh, Bad Batch season three. I think that's going to be the first thing that's going to come out. Is and, and then we're also going to see Tales of the Jedi two, uh, season two. Oh, cool! Um, another animated series. So um, that Very that's cool. kind of what we have in store for next year. But it might feel light compared to what we've been getting. But then I think it's just going to be like feature film, feature film, feature film, feature. <laughs> like we're going to just get one every year and. Um, it's going to be a thing. I mean, they even had like two slated in one year, so we'll see. Right. I think I'm, yeah, I, the acolyte again is like my most anticipated show. Yeah. And I think many star Wars fans there, that's their most anticipated show in terms of like deep lore and, you know, expansion of the lore. Yeah. Of the uh, dark side. And it, whereas and it connects, Andor obviously yeah. is, you know, uh, I guess for just quality of storytelling, dialogue, exactly. character development, things like that. People are, that's other people's most, that's other people's most anticipated show. But, um, uh, and obviously there's the Mando fans out there, but the Acolyte is just, I'm, I'm sort of, uh, like we're not worried about it, but I would say like, I'm just, I do wonder how they do the Sith angle. Yeah. Like, from that time period where they're in deep hiding. Yeah. Um, I wonder if these books do eventually get there and, and we'll have to finish phase three and finish maybe the high Republic to understand what the acolyte is going to explore because, um, and I do wonder cause there are legends, you know, yeah. novels, things like that, that cover a good amount of timeline with the Sith Lords in hiding. I I'm just interested to see what they choose to yeah. be those lords basically or those keepers of knowledge on the dark side and sort of what that all means and and how it's going to measure to measure up to some of the books that are just astounding works of fiction like uh darth Plagueis, i think is an incredible book yeah uh, like just an incredible yeah. book uh, really just like oh right. okay this makes perfect sense and they're in the banking guild and, like right. they're connected to this and like these the dark the, the darth bane like trilogy the, the Dark Lords, essentially Darth Bane, obviously, but Darth Bane again has, you know, it's been canonized. So yeah, but not the whole story. But yeah, but Darth Bane himself. And Darth Plagueis is mentioned, canonized via mention. Yeah, exactly. Oh. They're both been canonized via mention, but like, you know, that trilogy, and then yeah, obviously the Plagueis yeah. book is amazing, and like would be yeah, so great to be canon. And I think they'll probably just avoid it and be like, yeah, it like is canon, but don't worry about it. You know? It's sort of fascinating what they've released in terms of like, you know, public facing information about the Acolyte, which is like, I think Vernestra Rowe is like in that show. Yeah. Yeah. Which is wild. I don't even know how that would happen because I think it's supposed to be like a hundred years after the end of this. Like I really expected phase three to end and then acolyte would begin and like they wouldn't be contiguous but like the events of the end of phase three would inform acolyte but the way it's going now acolyte's going to come out in the middle of phase three like it's going to come out in the middle of next year and phase three is not going to end until you know the spring 
So it's a little, it's either time juxtaposition or they really don't connect as much as I thought they would. All right. I'm going to throw out my theory here. All right, let's go. I think, um, I think by the end of the high Republic and, uh, there will be inklings of the Sith in the Jedi order and, uh, about where they, about, you know, yeah. evidence that they're in hiding, things mm-hmm. like that evidence that there is the dark side does permeate the galaxy still in artifacts and in holocrons and possibly in worshipers or followers of the dark side, the Sith eternal, if you will. And, um, I have to think that the acolyte is about one of those dark siders in hiding, taking on an acolyte Sith myth. But I got to think that like Venestra Rowe and maybe some Jedi of the higher Republic end these books with, a continued conflict like the yeah. book will have a res- these books will have a re- re- resolution the high republic will end as sort of a, a giant epic but i think some jedi will leave the epic in conflict yeah. and trying to still s- solve the darkness that maybe permeates the galaxy that is infected the even the nile or created yeah. the nile or basically th- there's there's something else that's deeper and darker in the galaxy and I would love it if there's a Jedi that's like trying to vanquish the Sith or the dark threat that's sort of revealed or there's evidence of at the end of these books mm. and sort of is sort of lost in that storm or a storm continues within one Jedi. Yeah. Uh, that's what that's what I'm hoping for. And I would it would be cool if it's Vanessa Rowe because Vanessa Rowe is basically like a Mace Windu type who yeah. wields both light and dark. And so for me, that's like such a cool character to sort of dive into a crusade of fighting the dark. Or, yeah. you know, something like that. So I'm that's what I'm hoping happens with Vanessa Rowe. Um I love as a that. Character. I love yeah. that. I was thinking sort of the flip side of that coin where it's sure. like some people come out being dark side. Like they have oh, like have love, to flip to yeah. the dark side to sort of vanquish the enemy. But like as the you know, war comes to a close, they have to, you know, reconcile what they are and like go off into obscurity and like what do they become and like, you know, that sort of thing. So it's like you know, maybe the fallen like, ones, if you will, the fallen the ones, Dooku yeah. novels, <laughs> not not novel, yeah. but the Dooku lost, yeah, uh, uh, audio play, or yeah, yeah, uh, maybe it's them. You know, I think Elzar Man sure. is like obviously a big candidate. We talked about him at the beginning of the show, um, but yeah, it could be anyway. Imri Kantaros, like I don't know, maybe that guy's dead at this point. I but maybe know. in Acolyte, we're seeing Vernestra Rowe as sort of like the. Yeah. point of view character that yeah. is still maybe possibly a fallen one or possibly one someone who not embraced the dark side but is now walking a darker path um yeah. given that she's such a cool character to I do know. that i love yeah i would say yeah. she would be one of the ones that would be like light side that's like you know, she's like the one that's keeping an eye on the the dark side contingent that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. someone who fights the dark side. Yeah. Like is basically but is a, obviously only the people who are most like, that's again, why I like Mace Windu and why I like yeah. Vanessa Bo, because if you read some of their bios and stuff like that, it's because they've mastered the light side that they can actually dabble on the dark side because it, it, they'll never be corrupted by it or fall to it. They sort of live on that edge. Yep. And to me, I'm like, where is this Disney plus show? Yeah. Where is the, you know, yeah. where is the yeah. story? Because was, all I want is young Mace Windu. All I want is yeah. Vanessa Rowe. All I want is sort of that POV character Because to me, it's like, you can now have action sequences where it's light side powers and dark side powers and someone sort of fighting, you know, back from, you know, the fall or the corruption that they're feeling. And uh, I like 
I, I to me that's interesting. That's like that's some of the most compelling Star Wars to me. Yeah. So anyways, we 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 covered this book. I think we <laughs> thoroughly. Did. I would say. Well, I mean, like you know, there was a lot to go. I, I actually only had like a couple of like major yeah. points, and we covered all of them, and we actually got oh. our way through it. It was uh, it was tight. We did the tight thing. Um, yeah, we covered it all, man. We covered it all. It was a good. Um, all right, can I open book. this Christmas gift you got me? Oh yeah, buddy. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I feel bad because I didn't get one for Adam yet. I guess I, this was. Okay. I'm, a, I'm a terrible gift giver. Um, yeah, there we go. There it you is. Set this up. I just yeah. like, yeah, I'm just gonna set it up real quick. I'm a terrible gift giver, um, because like I have no patience. But it's like I just feel like when you find a perfect gift for someone, you just buy it and give it to them. I think that's what okay. gift giving should be, you know. And yes. it's like then we have the the honorific things and like and then I just some scrambling. But uh, I was just like, we had a conversation like seven podcasts ago. And uh, yeah, and I was like, I want to give this to Grant. So open it up. All right, I'm tearing to this, dude. It's an unboxing video. Mm-hmm. Oh. I mean, you no, knew. Oh, okay. Okay. Here we go. TIE Fighter Pilot. Oh, first, first order. order. Okay, this is going to complete the first order collection, my friend. That's what I'm talking about, buddy. Oh, I'm going to pose all the figs together. I know. So we talked thing about thing. like you don't have a lot of Happy pilots. Holidays. And, and and we had talked about like uh, first order designs. And a okay, lot of them and we are talked left... about this design being rad. Rad. Like, yeah, this is my favorite one. Trooper, rad. The single strip across the eyes. The The tie fighter pilot that's what uh, i meant like so i saw this armor in person in like the like in like a costume thing at uh in denver and uh and i was like i was overcome with how awesome this design was like i don't really love the stormtrooper armor but the pilot armor is elite and we talked about this on a podcast and i was like you know what i'm gonna just i'm like i'm gonna yeah, we see did talk about this because we were just like yeah you know what is good in the design the apple-esque design scheme yeah, of this stormtrooper armor is the tie fighter pilot yeah the snow trooper yeah the jet trooper yeah pretty awesome pretty um, awesome yeah so i wanted to get this one for you because it's my oh favorite. you're the man thank you man this yeah. is this is too cool yeah very cool um Happy holidays to our listeners. Yeah. This is the beginning of our holiday casts that I guess we'll do one more before. Uh, yeah. I think um, next. Made holidays, but, you know, Hanukkah started. Yeah. Hanukkah you know, started. So Here we go. We're, we're already rolling. This is the first one. Yeah. And um, so we're going to do another High Republic uh, podcast next week, but we're going to cover whatever co- comics are out. We're just going to like, I know we usually do like arcs and whatever, but like, I can't, we can't wait. We can't wait. So. We're just yeah. going to like cover all the stuff that's happened um, because we know it's going to be integral to what we're doing right now. And it's just like the high Republic is so dope. Like we got to give it its due and it's happening right now. And so like, I just want to be like, okay, like it's yeah. going to evolve over the next year, obviously. Um, and we'll try and dip in and then like, you know, bring it all to, you know, synergize everything as we always do um, to really get a sense of the story, but like, it's, I think we were talking about doing a high Republic character draft too. Yeah. I think we're going to do that. Character Jedi draft, uh, could be super fun. You know, uh, we'll, we'll definitely have that. That'll be in store. Cause we did get these character encyclopedias. Yes. Um, I think Ben and I are both, uh, right here, buddy. Um, yeah, yeah, we, uh, yeah, the, the, uh, high Republic character encyclopedia came out on December 5th. Um, so if you're looking for a stocking stuffer, uh, you can get them, uh, for your friend or for yourself or ask, you know, someone to buy it for you or whatever. Um, 
it is fantastic. It's 250 characters. It's actually organized very organically. It's not the way that I thought they would like organize it. It's like, it's all like characters that are related to each other um, laid out. And uh, the art is beautiful. You've seen a lot of it already, but um, it's a just great companion piece to reading all the high Republic stuff. It's like, it's actually kind of essential. And um, I mean, on this podcast, we buy all these coffee table books now. It just like kind of organically happen because um, yeah. it's just such so great to have this like visual reference uh, to what we're talking about to synergize everything. And, and like that's what this book is about. Um, so as your attorney, I suggest buying the Star Wars High Republic character encyclopedia um, if you're into this at all. And even if you're not like it's just beautiful, you can see all these characters and know what we're talking about. Um, and maybe it'll lead you to like. You know, if you just want to read the novels, you can read the novels. You would just want to read the comics. You can read the comics. Like it doesn't matter what sort of like this is the true high art of what Star Wars is doing, where it's like you can be as involved or as you want, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's like, okay, I'll just read novels. You know, it's like you'll the like adult novels through the High Republic are amazing and you'll you won't miss a beat. It'll be great. Um, But if you want to dig deeper, the comics are amazing um, as well. Obviously, young adult novels, like I would suggest everyone like I'm now like, you know, Adam's thing where it's like, I think young adult novels is actually more pure Star Wars, like has resonated with me and I'm going to get it tattooed on my body or something Uh, because it's like so true. It like because it's like that's the core of Star Wars, like it's caters to kids and caters to adults. And um, that's exactly what these YA novels have done. They've just picked great authors that just know how to navigate that um, that path. Uh, that is accessible to to pretty much four quadrant demographics. So we go on yeah. and on and on. All the books are good. You heard it here first. <laughs> they're they're all good. They're all like, good. Yeah, like there's no there's no dud in there. Like everything's yeah. essential. Everything explores. They did such a smart, you know, it was such a smart plan to sort of incorporate new and interesting characters and plot mechanics in each book, no matter what the age range was uh, or the format was of the book. Um, And I feel like each book just has a fun little special nugget uh, in it. And so, yeah, I would say dive in and dive in anywhere. And then if you're compelled to read, you know, um, light of the Jedi or like the first book, like I think that's a great starting point. And then, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's so much in there. It's really special stuff. Yeah, it's good. It's really, I mean, yeah the the authors they picked for the High Republic are studs. Like they're all ringers, and they understand Star Wars um, in such a great way. So you're you're gonna get really great Star Wars stories here, and it's fresh and it's new and it's a different time period. And um, yeah, everything we've been talking about through all this coverage, man, we did it. Um, Looking forward to getting Adam back next week, uh, getting his view on what we've talked about. And, um, you know, yeah, we'll do the draft uh, with our favorite uh, High Republic Jedi, which is going to be like highly contested because, dude, if if I have an opportunity to take Porter, Porter, Angle, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I'm Where taking Porter Angle, idiot Porter. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's what it's about. It's about forming a team that we think would win, you know, in just straight up combat or away missions or v- fighting the Nile. Like, we'll, we'll yeah. kind of honestly, loading Great Storm. I'm taking loading Great Storm. Like, I know his fate okay, was I mean, ugly and early, I'm but like, a bearish Sylvan guy. I'm an or- Orla, Orla Jereni. Yeah. I'm- <laughs> Twice on Sunday, Orla Jereni. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a big Elzar Man fan. And honestly yeah uh, Stellan geos is cool but you know yeah uh, r.i.p 
Uh, there's a lot of good ones. I'm going to, I'm going to deep dive because there's like Ty Yorick. Oh, Ty Yorick for real. Yeah. <laughs> that was what I was trying to think you of Ty Yorick's name. Cause I was going to say like, listeners are just like, what is a Ty Yorick? Yeah. Ty Yorick's <laughs> coming back into the order. I just like That's... feel that happening. War, war Wait, she's a monster hunter, so yeah. why wouldn't you bring her in to fight the nameless? Who are monsters, literally. That's what I mean. I think Ty York's going to play a big role in this. That's so cool. So cool. It's so cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah. They've, it's just like the way this has been organized. Like, I'm just like an admin nerd. And like the way that like this has all been organized and executed it, it all just like synergizes perfectly with each other and people have kind of their own characters that they own, but everything's shared and like, yeah, yeah. And it's great. And also, did, didn't you feel like this was seamless in terms of like, uh, like light of the Jedi and, and this book in terms of like Charles Sewell's writing style of yeah. like Bell Zetafar and Absolutely. characters that Charles Sewell created basically George Mann just I think does an incredible job sort of caring for that voice with each character Absolutely. That are, that basically you know were created by other writers in the luminous you know group so cool stuff absolutely yeah no George Mann hit this out of the park like I, yeah. I can't understate or I can't overstate that um he's he, he really did a fantastic job because it's a tough job these novels these are the big like buoys these are the benchmarks of what the high republic is and um you know you've got to really nail it and um and he did it this is you know this is a fantastic fantastic novel and man there's so many more books i think there's you know i think there's three two more adult novels and three young adult and then there's going to be a slew of to- uh, comics and um you know i'm here for it it's going to be yeah, great i can't wait can't wait all right cool let's do it we did it y'all um it, this is fantastic. We'll be here uh, next week. Thanks very much for listening to you. Um, we love doing this and uh, we appreciate you listening to us. So we're going to keep going. We'll see you next time on Cantina Chronicles.